0: The gospel reading this morning is from Luke, chapter 3, verses 21 to 23, and chapter 4, 14 to 21, and they can be found on page 1029 of the Church Bibles. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too, and as he was praying from heaven, as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 33 years old when he began his ministry. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth. Where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Lord, they pray that you would um, you would just give us the grace, Lord, to hear your word in all its depth, and that your word would penetrate Lord to the depths of our hearts Lord, to to encourage to rebuke when necessary, uh, but Lord, just have your way amongst us we've already prayed. Uh, your will be done, uh, and your kingdom come. So let it be. Amen. Amen. So the, the, the passage really can be kind sort of split into, into obedience and the, and the fruit of obedience, which is, uh, which is power. So the first few verses were from uh, the end of Luke 3, and uh, it begins with Jesus' baptism. Now, I'm going to just plunge straight in by saying what, uh, pointing out what a difference there is between uh, Jesus and Joe Average, whether Joe is short for Joseph or Joanne. Because so if, we, if we're told that there is a problem that's in the way between us and God, you know, many people will absolutely bridle at that. And resent it and reject it. But Jesus turns up uh, to John asking to be baptised. And his baptism is a baptism of repentance, if you like. It's a bit um, uh, it's an inadequate way of saying it, but John's baptism is sort of half of Christian baptism. So it's, it, in, it was a baptism of purely of, of repentance. People turned up to say, I know that I'm not right and I need washing. You know, not just on the outside, but I need washing on the inside as well. Um, and, but the one person in the world who didn't need baptism was, was Jesus And Jesus decides to identify with us. Now, um, there's a parallel passage to this. It's also recorded in Matthew, which is a little bit uh, sort of fuller in its explanation. And Jesus uh, says, no, this is necessary when John um, tells him, no, no, this is all wrong. You should be baptizing me, not me baptizing you. And Jesus said it's necessary to fulfil all righteousness, even though he was sinless. Jesus, it said, was about 30. Now, i would not really paid a huge amount of attention to that before, but has it occurred to you? What was he doing in his 20s? <laughs> And we know about what, he, what happened when he was 12, which is the other time that Jesus is given an age, because it's Jesus Bar Mitzvah, he goes to the temple, his parents lose track of him, um, and you probably know that, that story. But what was he doing all these years? Was he just learning to be um, a carpenter? There's a huge gap well, I'm going to suggest to you that Jesus was learning really important lessons, amongst which was patience. Because patience leads to obedience. It's a part of, of obedience. Do you know that Hebrews says that Jesus, even Jesus, had to learn obedience through what he suffered So if Jesus has to learn obedience through patience, then is it a surprise if we have to do that too? And of course, patience is so, so difficult, isn't it? Um, Certainly difficult for me. But there was actually good reason for the delay, because um, in the Old Testament, you find that the priests who went into temple service had to be 30 before they could start their ministry. So it was a kind of an appropriate coming of age, if you like, for for Jesus's um, ministry. Well, as you know from the reading, um, Jesus is baptised and heaven opens, the Holy Spirit comes down, God the Father authenticates his son this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased and it says that he left in the power of the spirit so just a, just a little aside here this is one of the kind of little points where you see the trinity at work so you have jesus being baptised in the Holy Spirit and the Father in heaven authenticating his son. So you see all three members of the Trinity uh, turning up to that occasion. Um. So what happens next? Well, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returns from down south. We're told that the place where uh, John was doing the baptising was a place called Inon, which is just west of the Jordan River. Um, I I don't know how good your biblical geography is, um, but of course the, the Lake of Galilee is... The north of Israel. Then you've got the Jordan coming down pretty much in a straight line and it opens out into the Dead Sea. So um, it's at the, the top of the Dead Sea is more or less level with, with Jerusalem. Um, but about a third of the way down, that's where, where John was doing the baptising at that particular time at least. So where should Jesus go after that encounter. He could have gone straight home to Nazareth which would have been logical really wouldn't have been really to go home, take stock and um, tell your family but interestingly he, he doesn't do that at all. Perhaps he would have been besieged by family telling him what he should be doing next. Alternatively he could have gone straight to the lake of Galilee where he spent of course most of his ministry but he didn't do that either. Instead he goes further south into the wilderness of presumably the Judean wilderness absolutely barren into the middle of nowhere to pray for 40 days and 40 nights echoing moses who did the same on sinai and emerged with the 10 commandments <clears throat> now we aren't covering the first few verses of chapter 4 today, because that's another huge area about which whole books are written about the temptations of, of Jesus. But just to point out that all of them are designed to undermine or violate Jesus' identity as the Son of God that the Father had just declared, and derail Jesus before he had even started. Jesus goes through those 40 days and 40 nights and then he does go back to Galilee first, gains a reputation for preaching, probably recruits the first disciples during that trip and then returns home to Nazareth. But when he does, he is in the power of the Spirit. Why? Because he has been obedient. Why? Because he has spent time With God, in the presence of God. I'm going to ask you at this point to use your imagination. You are uh, in St. Matthew's Church, but I want you to transport yourself back and think of yourself as being in the Nazareth synagogue that morning. You're there with everyone else, it's your habit. You've been doing this for years and years. Jesus' family are all there because he only lives a couple of streets down the road or wherever it was. And it's all normal. that The leader of the synagogue comes to the front and it's his responsibility to decide who's speaking that morning. So he beckons Jesus. and Jesus goes up, picks up the scrolls no books of course in those days just scrolls and Jesus winds his way down to the bottom of Isaiah to Isaiah 61 and starts reading now this is a messianic passage this refers to the activity of the Messiah Jesus then sits down Just a little cultural point. I'm standing up to speak to you this morning and you're sitting down, but I can't see it. There was a special chair here at one point, but the the speaker would normally sit down in the chair and you'd all stand up. Um, And it was called the seat of Moses. Moses. And in fact, that's referenced in one of the, I think, in one of the epistles, where it says, "And they occupy the seat of Moses." That's that's the preacher's slot, if you like. But Jesus sits down at the front and says, "Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing." Jesus is saying, "I am the Messiah." It's momentous. I mean, what else did they think he was saying? But it didn't seem to get through. It didn't seem to penetrate initially. Were they too busy sort of smiling indulgently at this young fella making good? Or were his family thinking, that's our boy. And are we like that with the word of God? Just too familiar with it. Jesus got no spiritual recognition initially out of them because they still think of him as the son of Joseph rather than the son of God. And Jesus really has to rattle their cages very hard before the penny finally drops as to what he's saying. And when they do, it's a thumbs down. Because as John says, he came to his own home and his own received him not. How lucky for us. Because out of that, the gospel went first to the Lake of Galilee, where, as I've said, Jesus spent most of his ministry touring and hopping down to Jerusalem for the feasts. And then from there to Damascus and from there to the rest of the world, including um, an island well to the west where we now live 20 centuries later. As to the content of what Jesus said, we've got a verse and a half of that. And, uh, and it's well worth, if you've got the time, finding your way to Isaiah 61 and reading the whole of it. Because it's likely that Jesus didn't stop halfway through verse 2. It's also likely that he didn't just say, This is fulfilled in your hearing. In fact, the scripture thinking about it, the Bible actually says, and they wondered, they marveled at the gracious words that came from Jesus' lips. So I'm so sure he said a lot more. But that was the so-called manifesto of Jesus, often referred to as his manifesto. I decided I'd look up what a manifesto was and Wikipedia says, it's the published verbal declaration of the intentions, motives or views of the issuer. Not very memorable. Uh, basically what it means is, this is what I'm about. This is what I stand for. So, What are the bullet points? Well, the bullet points are, It's good news to the poor, whether that's poor as in I've got no money or poor in spirit. It's both. It's freedom to prisoners, whether that's they're in jail uh, or more likely bound up inside. Sight to the blind. Jesus did quite a number of uh, healings of blind people but uh, it also, he's healed an awful lot of spiritual blindness as well. Release from oppression and the year of the Lord's favour, where wrongs are righted, the fall of man is reversed and Satan is deposed as the God of this world. Or as Jesus went on to preach and to demonstrate The kingdom of God is here at hand within touching distance. And our job as believers is to continue what Jesus started. Because throughout the history of the church in 20 centuries, everywhere that Christians have been, they have built hospitals, started soup kitchens, set up orphanages, Helped refugees to start again, foster children, educated the illiterate, rehabilitated addicts. This is our heritage. But it's also our commission as well. As the poor, said Jesus, we always have with us. And you don't have to look far. There is so much need around us. So much need. Now, if Jesus came into St. Matthew's this morning, what would he say? What would he say to us as a congregation? You know, I'm sure his words, just as then, would be full of grace and truth. I'm sure that he would say some comforting things. I'm sure he'd say some really encouraging things. And I'm also equally sure that he'd be quite straight with us as well. If you want to have examples of that, you only have to go into Revelation 2 and 3 and see his verdict of seven churches. And it's short, it's sweet, it's to the point and it's personalised. Of course, we, you know, don't you, that Jesus knows you inside out. He knows the congregation inside out. But he knows us as individuals inside out. There is nothing in our hearts, nothing in our lives that Jesus doesn't know. He knows the secrets that only we know that we haven't told anybody else on our entire lives. He knows. He knows what hurts we suffered when we were kids and everyone else has forgotten But he knows, he knows all of that and he loves you. But he loves us too much to let us stay where we are. And that's the really important thing that we have to grasp. So if Jesus spoke to you, it would be absolutely personalized. But would it be the same as last year? because he said the same things last year and we didn't take any notice? Just a thought. Here are a few questions that the Holy Spirit might be asking us as a congregation this morning. First of all, do we privately think that we're actually quite good enough for God and that a few church attendances and being reasonably nice are going to tickle him under the chin and get win us a place in heaven? Do we quietly think that we don't really need to repent? And isn't that such a stumbling block? So, if you talk out to people outside on the street, excuse me, on the street, and you say, Well, we need to repent, people do often bridle and say, Well, I'm good as you are. Uh, To which, of course, the reply is, Yeah. And that's the problem, because we're all in the same boat. All of us need to dethrone ourselves, and that's really important. It's first base. Is the Holy Spirit asking you to be baptised? Because Jesus was the one person, as I mentioned, who had a good excuse, but still did it. Because he set an example was baptised anyway. None of us have a single valid excuse. So if you haven't, what's stopping you? Oh, how about this? You, did you notice that Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath? Yeah, it was a Saturday for them, and it's a Sunday generally. And it says, quote-unquote, as was his habit. Now, I, I know, because I've worked plenty of Sundays, um, that people have perfectly good reasons for not being able to, to get here. But if it's just that we can't really be bothered, why should he? Just a thought. Besides, it's a blessing to be part of his people. And if you read Hebrews 10, and it says um, that we should come together. Do not neglect the meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing "Quote unquote," uh, continue to encourage one another, and all the more as the day, the day of Christ, uh, approaches. And it's a blessing, actually, to be a part of the church, isn't it, Pads? <laughs> <laughs> to learn, you know, it's uh, sometimes uh, the, the 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 kind of gaps in life when are some of the most challenging, difficult bits, the between times in life. I'm there myself at the moment and I hate it um, because insofar as I'm, I'm much more prone to wanting to get on with things. It's in fact, um, it's, uh, it's always a challenge to me uh, to, to get on. So we can err, uh, can't we, in obedience um, terms to, to either to... Rush ahead and do things too quickly, or to delay too long. Um, uh, my my dear old mum, she would uh, she when she was trying to instil obedience into us as children, she would say, "Delayed obedience is disobedience." Mm. Raising herself up to a full five foot two, mm. and she had a point. Um, delayed obedience is sort of disobedience, um, but so is, is rushing on. Um, so if we're in a between time in life, um, use it. Don't waste it. Use it. To listen, to learn, to wait, to pray. And lastly, work. Uh, might the Holy Spirit be nudging us to get involved in something? There are about thirty Christian social action organisations in Reading. Can I adopt us? So sort of, can I encourage us to adopt one if you haven't already, as part of your giving? Because giving, of course, is more than than money, more than money. Not forgetting uh, that it can be time as well. And also not forgetting that openly proclaiming Jesus as Saviour and Lord is a crucial part of that. So Jesus concludes, he rolls up the scroll and he gives it back to the attendant. He sits down, says the eyes of everyone were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Well, today can we say not that the scriptures have been fulfilled in, in our hearing, but will be honoured by our obedience. Amen, may it be so. Amen.